There are a few believers who you could argue wrestled with God more than Jonah. Jonah, we see at the end of his book, is upset, very angry at God. Jonah had just spent a long while wrestling against God. Why? All because Jonah failed to fully comprehend the grace of God, grace for himself and for the rest of this world. This morning we continue our series, Wrestling with God. And as we look at Jonah's account, we see how God taught him to fully understand and appreciate the working of his grace, his grace for every sinner. And as we do so, we'll also together grow in our understanding and appreciation of the grace of God. Jonah is upset with God for something that happened quite a while back. It was when God told Jonah that he saw the wickedness of the people of Nineveh. And the, the people of, of Nineveh, Jonah no doubt knew and heard the reports, were very wicked. They were so ruthless with those that they conquered that they would take their captives and they would torture them in horrible ways. We even have evidence still today of pictures, depictions of what the Assyrians, the people of Nineveh, would do to the people that they conquered and the merciless way that they tortured their victims. They were a wicked people. They deserved destruction. That's why you can see perhaps why Jonah was frustrated when God said to him, I want you to go and preach to the people of Nineveh to preach to the Ninevites. Jonah knew why God sent his prophets to preach to people. It was because God wanted to call them to repentance and so that in repentance they might receive his mercy and he might display his grace to them. Jonah did not want this. I'm sure you're familiar with Jonah's initial response to God's call to preach to the Ninevites. Jonah jolted at such an idea. He embarked on a ship to a place that was in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Although, as his fellow sailors learned of Jonah's rebellion against the Lord God and how the Lord had made evident he was not pleased with this, with a storm, they ended up throwing Jonah overboard. And yet, in mercy, God provided a fish that rescued Jonah. And on the third day, the fish spewed Jonah onto dry ground. Jonah clearly knew now that he must go to Nineveh and must carry out this call to preach to them. Jonah got to the city and shared his message. He warned them of God's coming destruction because of their wickedness and their sin. And then you see the most marvelous, the most miraculous part of the book of Jonah. The most miraculous part of the book of Jonah is not the great fish that God provided to rescue Jonah. No, the biggest miracle in the book of Jonah was that the Ninevites listened to Jonah. This was no small city by the standards of the ancient world. It had hundreds of thousands of people. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, took to heart the preaching of Jonah and they repented. They, they turned from their sins and they turned to the mercy of God. And God, in his great compassion, relented from the destruction which had been threatened. Now you can imagine at this success, 
Most preachers, when they have 100,000 people listen, nonetheless respond to their preaching, would be happy. But we read at the end of Jonah's book that Jonah was very upset and angry about the matter. And his anger was directed at God. He charged God, this is why I did not want to go to Nineveh, because I knew that you are a God full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger, a God who relents from sending calamity and shows mercy. Jonah did not want the Ninevites to experience God's gifts and God's love. After all, Jonah had even now not just heard the reports of how cruel the Ninevites were and how wicked they had been. Jonah himself had walked through the city. He had spent three days among them. Jonah had seen with his own eyes and witnessed the selfishness and greed of the Ninevites. He had witnessed the destruction carried out by their hands and the violence and the aggressive arrogance. He had seen them indulge with their mouths with the drunkenness and he had witnessed how horrible things were in Nineveh. They deserved destruction. Jonah, in his anger, leaves the city and camps outside the city to watch. He doesn't want to witness the miraculous working of God to bring the people mercy. He wants the juicy judgment of God brought about by his justice. Jonah failed to fully appreciate and comprehend the working of the grace of God. But this is nothing new. Jonah wasn't alone in such a struggle. The church has always struggled with the mindset of Jonah to fully appreciate God's grace and understand the working of God and grace for the sinner. Jesus and his disciples were charged with spending time with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes. They struggled to see God's working among such people. And even the apostle Peter struggled to see God's grace for the Gentile sinner. This has been a struggle always in the church. You have to wonder, how did people feel in America? How did they feel about the people in Japan in the 1950s? Many families in America had lost people in their family, fighting against the imperial nation of Japan. They had lost them or had them wounded in the Great War, World War II. How did they feel about that nation which did not have the gospel, which there were practically no Christians living there? When they heard of the horrible things that imperial soldiers in Japan had done as they raped and murdered countless lives in China and Korea during their invasions and many other lands as well, as they heard of how they treated the prisoners of war, the American soldiers who were starving, and how some of those American soldiers had been subject to tests like lab rats under scientific experiments, horrendous in nature. How do you think they felt about places like Japan? And how did they feel when they heard that church bodies like ours were sending missionaries in 1957? I don't know how people felt. But you can guess that some of them probably thought there were other places they should be sending missionaries first than such a place. And how did people feel when missionaries were sent here to the southwest and to the region of the southwest of the United States in the turn of the century, 
around the 1900s. Just before the end of the 18th century, missionaries were sent to this area, to the people living on Apache land. The pastors there deeply loved the people they served, brought them the gospel, and those living in Apache land came to hear the message of the Creator God, the Lord of all, who came to redeem them from the grave. How did their peers, the peers of those pastors, feel back east about those pastors who came to Apache land? Well, records indicate from over 125 years ago that they regarded those pastors as inferior. Was it because they were sent to such a people as the Apache in a faraway land that they weren't as deserving of the gospel? That idea that some are less deserving of the message of the gospel is a failure to grasp the full idea of God's grace for the sinner and what his gospel really means. Still, a Christian might struggle to see someone who is different, someone who doesn't share in their Christian worldview as someone who should be getting the gospel over others. The church sometimes might even be tempted to treat its mission work like it's a business. You see, businesses, they, they target those areas that will be most receptive to their products, areas that are right in their demographic of what they're looking for, and quite often areas that are wealthy and can purchase their products at a high price. Should the church ever treat its work among sinners like that, like a business selling products rather than a hospital for the poor? There are places, neighborhoods, that some might write off, neighborhoods which are entrenched in the sale of drugs, places where people are rooting for a different type of worldview than what they're accustomed to. How would you respond or consider those that you know in your life that are perhaps not quite as receptive to the gospel or as someone might label it, deserving of the gospel? Consider your neighbors or your associates who are either Democratic or Republican, or who have a gay or straight lifestyle, or who are given to drunkenness or drugs, or maybe someone who's sitting somewhere in prison. Who is most deserving of God's grace? God had to remind Jonah, no one is deserving of his grace. As Jonah sat there, and he watched and waited for Nineveh to be destroyed by God, God had to tell him in his, as Jonah sat there upset, do you have a right to be upset? Do you have a right to be upset, Jonah, that I am sharing my grace and my mercy with others? Consider what Jonah had done. Jonah did not deserve God's grace. Jonah had tried to flee from God's presence, had disobeyed God's call. Jonah was upset at God for displaying his mercy. Jonah did not deserve God's grace. You and I do not deserve God's grace. His grace is just that. It's an undeserved gift for the sinner, for someone like Jonah, and for all people. Did the people of Japan deserve the gospel any less than the people who brought it to them in 1957? from our church body? 
Did the people in Apache land stand any less deserving of the gospel than the missionaries who were sinners that came to them? Do you and I deserve the gospel any more than our homosexual friend? Any more than our neighbor who is a racist? Any more than the people around us of this world who live lost in wickedness and sin? The marvel of the book of Jonah is one that the people of Nineveh repented. That we know that God's word is to go out to people in this world, to all nations, and to call them to repentance so that they might find mercy in God. His message changes hearts. His word is powerful. But the, the second marvel, and probably the strongest book message in the book of Jonah is this, that God desires that message go out to all people and that he can display his mercy and give grace to everyone in this world, including Jonah, including the people of Nineveh. Jonah went out and put out a tent so he could watch the destruction of the city. And then it says, God provided a plant for Jonah that grew and that covered and provided him with shade. God was teaching Jonah a lesson. Perhaps at, thought, at first Jonah thought, God does love me. I am on the right side. I can sit here in the shade and watch the coming destruction. But the same Jonah who deserved to drown in the depths of the sea was going to suffer under the scorching sun. God sent a worm to destroy that plant. And he sent a strong east wind to bring in tremendous scorching heat to Jonah so that Jonah even despaired of life and wanted to die. Do you have a right to be upset, Jonah? See, God's grace is for those who don't deserve it. Jonah had rejected God. Jonah deserved God's wrath and punishment. Jonah deserved the depths of the sea and the scorching sun. He deserved God's wrath over sin. And so do you and I, and so does everyone else in this world. But God is a God slow to anger, abounding in love, one who shows mercy to the sinner. God did not sit back and create a little booth where he could watch this world suffer and face his justice because of the judgment over sin. No, God had concern on this world and in his concern sent his son to this world, his perfect one and only son who had no sin and who did not deserve death but himself took the price and the punishment of sin so that we could escape it. You see, God does not just dismiss sin. God is not quick to forgive in the sense that he allows sin to be. That would be ungodly. That would be entirely unjust. But rather, God deals with sin in mercy and through his merciful sacrifice as he gave his life for us so that we might be spared from his wrath. And just as Jonah on the third day was spewed alive from that fish, Jesus came alive from the grave and declared mercy, carrying out that mission, sending his disciples to declare to all nations and all people, to sinners everywhere, that they find in Jesus forgiveness of sin. Jonah and you and I did not deserve forgiveness. The people of Nineveh, 
The people of this world do not deserve God's mercy, but that's just it. That's what mercy is, withholding what is deserved. And grace is giving what is undeserved. Jonah wrestled with God, but he was confronted with something he could not argue with anymore. God is merciful to him, and God wants that mercy for all. Jonah, he said, you are upset about this plant, this plant of one day and one night, which just sprung up for you? Do not I, Jonah, have a right to be concerned about all who live in that large city of Nineveh? There's no response recorded from Jonah. Jonah had wrestled with God. He had failed to struggle. He'd failed to see God's mercy for the sinner. But Jonah recorded this account so that all of God's people might fully comprehend, appreciate, and understand God's merciful working for his people and for the people of this world, that all might understand and comprehend his grace, his incomprehensible grace for you and for me and for all people around us, for your neighbor who struggles with sexual impurity, for the person down the road who is committing abuse of alcohol or abuse of people or abuse of their own body, for the person who's sitting in prison because of a crime they're guilty of, and for your friend or your neighbor that you know that you might not think deserves the gospel. We marvel that none of us do, but God in mercy gives it. The book of Jonah helps us to see this. God desires that all hear and know he is a merciful God who forgives the sinner. Jonah wrestled to understand this. May we fully appreciate it and make it known and share it. Amen.